Okay, so the scripture reading today, it's from John, so um, not having to read through numbers, long passages with lots of names anymore. This, I got off easy. This is, uh, begins with the religious leaders speaking to Jesus. They say, are you greater than our father Abraham? He died and so did the prophets. Who do you think you are? Jesus replied, if I glorify myself, my glory means nothing. My father, whom you claim as your God, is the one who glorifies me. Though you do not know him, I know him. If I said I did not, I would be a liar like you. But I do know him and keep his word. Your father Abraham rejoiced at the thought of seeing my day. He saw it and was glad. You were not yet 50 years old, the Jews said to him, and you have seen Abraham? I tell you the truth, Jesus answered. Before Abraham was born, I am. At this, they picked up stones to stone him, but Jesus hid himself, slipping away from the temple grounds. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Josh. It's good stuff. And uh, we are going to spend our time this morning in that text and really excited to be kicking off this new series, looking at these nicknames of Jesus. And that's why we had you kind of converse with one another. What, are we, what was your nickname growing up? Or maybe you still hold to that nickname. Mine was, uh, was Salty Nalty. Uh, I don't... I don't know what's salty about me, but uh, Jesus did say I'm the salt of the earth, right? So I guess that holds. I always joke that if I had a boat, that's what I would name it, salty, naughty. Uh, we're going to test your, na- your, your names, your nickname knowledge over the course of this series, too. And so I need two volunteers uh, who want to quiz their nickname knowledge of famous musicians or musical artists. I need just two volunteers to come on up real quick. We're going to do this snappy and fast. I need two people, and I have prizes. Come on. Peter, I got one. I need one more. John, all right. All right, let's give it up for our volunteers. Here we go. You just stand. Yeah, just stand there. This is Peter. Pee-wee. Oh, that was his nickname. Yeah, you've learned a little bit about each other. All right, here's a, here's a pen. Here's your weapon of choice. And uh, you're going to need to erase. Make sure you write nice and big so everybody can see, okay? English, <laughs> senor. All right, here we go. We're going to quiz you on your knowledge of uh, good old musicians of the past. And so here's the first one. Super easy. The king. The king. Well, don't say it. You didn't choose to participate. You don't get to play. All right. Three, two, one, show us who it is. John, who'd you get? Oh, you got to show us what you wrote. Oh, you wrote it too small. Edna? It is not Edna. Make sure you write nice and big. It is, show us the answer. It is Elvis. Yes, Elvis Presley. All right. Here we go. Number two. All right. Here we go. The Queen of Soul. The Queen of Soul. You better respect her. Well, I was looking at the blank look on their face on the board. I was trying to help them. You, whatever you want, she's got it. <laughs> Baby. We'll go with last names. That's cool. You're writing a lot, guys. I don't know. <laughs> One guess. One guess. Here we go. Uh, the answer is, show us your boards. The answer is Aretha Franklin. What do you got, John? Tina Turner. That was a good guess. It was a good guess. All right. 
Here we go. Musician number three, the boss. Who is the boss? The answer is Bruce Springsteen. Who'd you guess? Chuck Berry. Chuck Berry. Oh, that's a good guess, too. All right. Here we go. This one's got two nicknames for you. The chairman of the board. Oh, somebody knew it. Oh, or old blue eyes. Don't look on the screen because the answer's up there. You can see the next slide. Don't cheat. It's not worth it. But you are playing for some Hub City swag. There it is. <laughs> All right. Who is the chairman of the board? We got Frank Sinatra or? Elton John or Frank Sinatra? Who are you going to pick? Frank Sinatra. Frank Sinatra. That's a good pick. Let's give it up. There it is. Yeah. Frank Sinatra. There it is. You're just doing it your way. I did it my way. That was a Frank Sinatra joke for those that don't know. All right. Last one. The man in black. Who's the man in black? Some of you are wondering why you didn't play. You're regretting not playing. Next time... There will be a chance for you. We're going to do this periodically throughout the series. All right. Who is the man in black? I came to make you laugh again. You came to make us laugh? You did. All right, John, what do you got? Jimi Hendrix. Jimi Hendrix. Good try. It is Johnny Cash. Very good. All right, Peter, you get your choice. Hub City mug, Hub City hat. Hub City mug, Hub City hat. I'll take the hat. He takes the hat. There you go. John, you win a mug. Very good. Very good. Let's give it up. Oh, yes. You don't win that stuff. All right. Let's give it one more time. Pee Wee. Pee Wee with the win. What was your nickname, John? I hope it's clean <laughs> in Spanish. My uncle, my uncle, 1971, I was walking the, the cow at the field, and, and my uncle said, leave the cow alone. No, I'm not. I want to play with the cow. The cow lifted me up in the air. The cow lifted you up in the air. Like that. Okay. The cow on the ground and said, your name is Guillermo Bacona. Happy cow. Happy cow. There it is. Happy cow and peewee. Let's give him a hand. Very good. Very good. Now, looking at these nicknames uh, can, can, can be helpful because it, it shows us a little bit about who these artists were, what they were about, or, or, or the type of music that they played. Uh, we learn a little bit about John and, and Pee-wee over here, you know, Happy Cow and Pee-wee, we learn about them. It gives us a glimpse. And so over the course of this series, over the summer, we're going to get a glimpse into who Jesus is with these I Am statements. And today, before we jump into uh, bread and, and the vine and all these different things that he is, we're just going to simply focus on the I am. There was one point in which Jesus said, I am. And that simple statement about himself shows us part of who he is. And if we can learn who Jesus is, we learn who we are as well and the God that we're following with our lives. And so we read this passage together, and in the passage we see this conversation with this Jewish audience pushing Jesus to identify himself, right? In verse 53, what do they say? They say, uh, you know, who do you think you are, 
right? That's a, that's a very invasive question. But Jesus is teaching, and they're saying, who do you think you are? And in verse 54, Jesus responds. And he says that the God that they worship is his father. He says in, in verse 54, my father, whom you claim as your God, is the one who glorifies me. So your God is my father, meaning what? He is the son of God. He is God. Jesus then uh, says that Abraham was excited to see this day come, right? They hold Abraham in this high regard. And, and he even says that Abraham, he says this in verse 56, Abraham rejoiced at the thought of seeing my day. He saw it and was glad, right? And they hear this and it's just like, are you taking crazy pills? What, what are you talking about? You, you know that Abraham was rejoicing that the arrival of Jesus was something to be excited about. It would be like me saying, hey, uh, you know, Henry Ford, Back in the day, he was really excited about everyone having cars, but especially hybrids and heavy-duty trucks and everything in between. He really wanted that for everybody, and he was excited that this day was going to come, right? And you'd be hearing me say, like, how do you, what are you talking about, Sean? You're taking crazy pills. Like, Henry Ford, he died in 1947, right? You weren't even a blip, a thought. And, and, and so they're hearing Jesus talk about Abraham, and it's confusing because Abraham's been dead for 2,000 years. And he's saying, well, Abraham rejoiced at my arrival. And what? what are you talking about? That's confusing. And then this next statement, this is what throws them into the tizzy. All these uppity-up religious people. In verse 58, I tell you the truth, before Abraham was born, I am. Before Abraham was born, I am. And this is the shocker. This is the statement that sends them oh, into an uproar, Right? And we have shocking statements in our culture. Think about our history. There's moments that kind of send us into the, our own little tizzy or, or send us into confusion. Uh, I wasn't around, but I, I, I've watched documentaries. But when uh, you might remember when President Kennedy said that at the end of the decade, we were going to put men on the moon. People were like, what? Are you? What? That's audacious. That's crazy. You're dreaming. That's impossible. Or, or when John Lennon said that the Beatles were more popular than Jesus sent people into this uproar, this cultural, ah, we don't know what to do with this, we really want to listen to this music and have him hold our hand, right? But Right, because that's what they sang about, we want to hold your hand. That was a Beatles joke. <laughs> Let it go, it's okay. Didn't work. But when he says that rock and roll was more popular than Christianity, it sent people into an uproar. They couldn't stand it. Christians were like, ah, I don't know what to do with myself now. And the religious people are listening to Jesus and having that same reaction. What do you mean before Abraham you were? What do you, what, are, you, are you serious? Right? And you see this stir within them because in verse 59 at the end of the passage that Josh read, what was their reaction? They took him to coffee? No, they grabbed big rocks, big stones and wanted to kill him. You don't kill somebody you love. You don't kill somebody you want to follow. This is blasphemous, this is audacious, this is crazy, and it's this simple statement, before Abraham was born, I am. And that's our, our, our focus today. Before Abraham was, I am. And why was this so shocking? Because today, in 2021, we might just read that and skip right over it. But for them, this audience that's listening to it, this passage dates back to the book of Exodus where Moses is standing in front of the burning bush being told by God, go and set my people free in Exodus. And Moses is like, ah, I don't know if they're going to listen to 
me, right? And he says, who should I tell them sent me? And he, this is God's response in Exodus chapter 3, verse 14 through 15. This is what God said. He said, God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent you, sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say to the Israelites, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever. The name by which I am to be remembered from generation to generation. So God's name is what? I am who I am. Simply stated, I am. You could boil it down to just that phrase, I am. And it would be remembered forever. That's what he says. Generation after generation would refer to God as I am. And they did. And it was sacred. They wouldn't even utter it. It was so sacred. It was holy. It was this ground that they weren't going to tread on. And that phrase, I am, means he is everything. He is creator. He's alpha. He's omega. He's beginning. He's end. He's everything. And so then comes Jesus. And what does Jesus say? Before Abraham was, I am. So what is he saying? He's comparing himself to Abraham. This guy Abraham that is in the uh, Old Testament in the book of Genesis, and the Jewish culture held Abraham in such high esteem. He was highly respected. He was a forefather of the faith. And yet, he was on such a pedestal to them, and Jesus kind of knocks him down a peg. Not to belittle him or disrespect him, but to show that Jesus, who's standing right in front of them, is superior to the man that they were idolizing. Well, Abraham is their end-all, be-all. But Jesus is standing right in front of them saying, before he was, I am. Abraham was. You hear that past tense kind of resonate in that statement. Abraham was born. Abraham was dead. Abraham was temporary. He was great. Abraham was. But Jesus is saying, I am. Jesus is. Jesus is the word of God. Jesus is Alpha and Omega. Jesus is the son of God. Jesus is God. And so Jesus is identifying himself as God. When he says this, he is more than a prophet, more than a teacher, more than a healer, more than just a really good guy. Who is he? He's standing right in front of him. And he says, without saying it, he says, I am God. I am God's son. And if I am God, I am surpassing any man that you thought was incredible. Because he's showing us a bit of his divinity here. And, and, and the more we look at this passage, this, you see this was and is. And what is he showing you? Jesus is forever. Jesus is eternal. He's showing you that Abraham was, but I am. I am forever. And he's giving us a glimpse into his divinity here. Not just that he is God and he is God's son, but he is God forever. And that right there surpasses the man that they held in such high esteem. Jesus is forever. His teaching is forever. His word is forever. His kingdom is forever. His ministry is forever. Him being our Messiah, our Savior, our anointed one. He is, say it, forever. Hebrews 13.8 says it like this, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. you got it. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And, and this is a verse that, that uh, I, I've heard numerous times, and we even have it 
in our sanctuary posted. Uh, this is a, a scripture that shows us that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. It shows the, the, the magnitude of who he is. And, and as I was reading about it, the scholars were saying that the English translation doesn't really do it justice. Because we hear Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And we say, like, he's the same. Great. That's awesome. But what's, what the emphasis is, is Christ. Jesus is the Christ forever. Jesus is the Messiah yesterday, today, and forever. Jesus is the anointed one, the Savior. That's what Christ means. And so in the English translation, we just, we just read Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. But it's Jesus is the Christ yesterday, today, and forever. Meaning there was no other option. He is the option to save us, to punch our ticket to heaven, to make us right with God, to experience forgiveness of sin. Jesus is our Messiah forever. Forever. Like, that's a big word. We throw it around, but, but let's think about what in our world is forever. What is forever? Is there anything in this world that is forever? No, right? People die and they get forgotten. Things break and they get thrown out. They get replaced. Organizations rise, but then they go bankrupt. Someday my beloved Apple will be bankrupt. Apple is not forever. Nations rise and then they fall. Nothing is forever, and yet Jesus is forever. If Jesus is forever, why are we so busy building our lives on the things that aren't? Jesus is teaching us right in this simple statement, before Abraham was, I am. And, and he's showing us his magnitude. He's showing us his eternal nature, that he is forever. And yet here we are, so busy building our lives, just like the crowd, on the temporary. Think about the crowd. What are they building their life on? Abraham. Abraham is their everything, right? He's their salvation. Well, I'm part of Abraham's family, so I'm going to be saved. I'm going to get into heaven because I am associated with and I'm in the line of Abraham. And so, therefore, I'm taken care of. Their identity was tied up into Abraham. I'm a part of that family. That's my heritage. That's where I come from, right? And that's my value. My significance is found in my heritage, in my lineage, their identity was tied to it. Their hope was tied to it. Their security was tied to it. Their peace was tied to Abraham. And yet Abraham is temporary. Abraham was. And we do the same thing. Except we don't always tie it to Abraham. We tie it to what? My career. My abilities. My family. My sexuality. My heritage. My health. My wealth. We, we, we use these things as the building blocks of our life. And yet they are temporary. But we build ourselves up based on these things, right? Our career, our possessions, our families, our sexuality, our heritage, what we can do, what we have, all of these things. We build these things as the foundation of who we are. I find my identity in these things. I find my hope in these things. My salvation is in these things. My everything is in these things. And yet Jesus is standing right there saying it's temporary. Before Abraham was, I am. And I want you to fill in the blank for yourself. Got a blank on the screen. Before your blank was, I am. If Jesus were saying that to you, what would you put in the blank? What's your Abraham? Before my career, my 401k was, Jesus is. Before your family and your heritage was, I am. 
before your shiny new truck was, I am. These are the building blocks of our lives, and in one simple statement, Jesus is taking a sledgehammer to it and going full demo day, right? I mean, just picture that. We've built our lives on these things, and Jesus just takes the sledgehammer and goes, that sounded weak. Boom, right? He just bludgeons these things, that all of these things that we're building our identity, our hope, our salvation, our eternity, our, our security on, and he says, don't build it on stuff that won't last. Build it on the thing that will last, and that is Jesus. Jesus is forever. And I want to ask the question, what changes when I believe that Jesus is eternal? What, how does that change your Monday? Like, it's a nice statement, Jesus is eternal, Jesus is forever, but what does that change for you tomorrow? Think about what you would answer to that question, because it's not just about having this theological knowledge. Jesus was so much more than just head knowledge. He wanted us to live this stuff out. So what changes when I believe that Jesus is forever, he is eternal, he is, he is the I am, what changes? There's a few things. A few things I could think of. I'm sure you could think of some things too. I'd be curious what you what you came up with. One that comes to mind is my eternity, your eternity. Our eternity changes when God is eternal because Jesus is eternal. His kingdom is eternal, and he promised us life that is eternal, right? One of the most quoted Bible verses ever is what? John 3.16. You could probably say it right there from your seat. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have temporary life. No, that we would not perish, but we would have eternal life. An eternal God gives his people eternal life. That we have eternity at stake here. That's what Jesus is getting at. The belief in him. Notice it's not about works. It's not about heritage. It's not about going to church, getting your gold stars. It's not about what family you were born into. It's about none of that. It's about believing in Jesus is the Messiah yesterday, today, and forever. He is the Savior. He is the one that can forgive us of our sins yesterday, today, and forever. And if we believe that, what happens? He changes our eternity. Our eternity becomes eternal with him. What else changes? If Jesus is eternal, what else changes? My identity changes. Identity is a big theme, especially for millennials and Gen Z and and. But I think it's true for everyone, because no matter what season of life in, we're constantly evaluating who am I? Where is my value? What is my significance? What is my purpose? And, and we're putting our lives into these things that we have and that we were and that was. And Jesus is saying, stop building your life on things that are temporary. Find your identity in what? Something that is eternal. Can we start to trust in a God that has been around a little bit longer than your job? Can we find our value in something a little bit longer than your family? Can we find our significance and our definition of who we are more in something that's been around a little bit longer than my health, than my physique, than my wealth? And I begin to see myself and value myself differently because I'm putting my eyes on a Jesus that is eternal. He is forever. And what does Jesus say about us? Who does Jesus say you are? says you're loved. 
He says you're a masterpiece. Ephesians 2 says you're a masterpiece. He says I'm a child of God. You're a child of God. Jesus says you're worth dying for. We believe what he says, and what he says is eternal, because it says that the word of Jesus, Jesus is the word, and the word is eternal. Well, that means I, I'm defining my life based on something that's the beginning and the end, that isn't going to go away, that those truths, those promises are not temporary. My identity, my worth, my significance changes. And I think when I begin to see Jesus as eternal, it changes this other thing. It changes my perspective, my perspective on yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Think about how your perspective changes on yesterday. Yesterday, right, your past seems insurmountable. God could never love me because of X, Y, or Z. You ever looked at your past that way? It's insurmountable. I could never get over that, get past that. It disqualifies me. I'm never going to be good enough. My sins will hold me back. My mistakes will hold me back. And yet Jesus being eternal, we begin to look at our past a little bit differently because his love is eternal. His love for us is eternal. And all of a sudden, the way I look at my past changes because his love can forgive my past. His love stretches beyond my past, beyond my mistakes. I begin to see today differently. Think about how today can seem impossible. Some of you are going through impossible situations or what seem impossible today. And the issues of today seem problematic. Seem like mountains that you're never going to cross over. But knowing we serve an eternal God, knowing we follow an eternal God, knowing that Jesus is eternal helps me to have a peace. A peace in the problems of today, in the diagnosis of today, in the bankruptcies of today, in the health problems of today, in the stressors of today. doesn't mean everything's going to get ironed out and perfect, but I experience an eternal peace from an eternal God that makes today sustainable, possible. You see, I view today differently because I worship an eternal God, not a temporary God. His love sustains me in the past. His peace sustains me now. And, and as I look to my future, I look to tomorrow. I look towards forever. Think about tomorrow. Some of you are in a spot right now where tomorrow seems daunting. Tomorrow seems unclear. Tomorrow seems like a journey. You're just like, I don't know where we're going. What's going to happen? Tomorrow seems impossible. But an eternal God changes the way that we view our tomorrow. That even though it's unknown, Jesus promises this eternal God that we follow. Jesus is eternal. Jesus is forever. And he promises what? I will be with you till the end of the age. Matthew 28, he says, I will be with you to the very end of the age. Meaning that no matter what's coming tomorrow, no matter how unclear or how messy or how uh, frightening and how big of a step of faith it's going to take, Jesus is with me tomorrow. And what does that give me? Hope. Some of you today just need hope for tomorrow. And a Jesus that is forever gives me a hope that can last, that can keep me going into tomorrow. Jesus is forever. But will we follow him forever? Some didn't. People standing right there in the crowd, think about that. The people are standing in front of Jesus and he didn't fit in their box. He didn't fit in their paradigm. 
They were so, huh, you said you're God. You said you're better than Abraham. And it threw them into a tizzy. And they miss Jesus. They walk away. They turn on him. They miss him. The beauty of this moment that we're, we're talking about is that Jesus gives us a choice to follow him. You each have a choice to follow him forever. We worship a God that is forever, but will we choose from this point forward to say yes to him for the rest of our lives? And maybe you've never made that choice. Maybe that's a decision where you're like, I don't know, yeah, hmm, that seems like a, that's some fine print there, Sean. You want me to sign on that dotted line? But we're talking about from this point forward, because it changes what? Our eternity. That from now until the end, there is no end, to the forever, I get to be with Jesus. And I think even for those of us, if you're in the room and you've been following Jesus for years, I think this is a great reminder because much like those religious teachers, we can still, we can get complacent, we can begin to trust in other things. Can anybody resonate with that? You know Jesus is forever. You know Jesus loves you, but, man, oh, man, when I'm encountering the problems of today, I'm going to trust in myself. I'm going to trust in my bank account. I'm going to trust in my stuff. I'm going to trust in this person or that person. And it's easy to lose that. And Jesus simply is reminding us that before anything was, he is. He is forever. And that truth can change our today, and it can sustain our soul forever. Let's pray. Let's pray together. Church, I want to just give us a chance right now as we're just in a, an attitude of prayer. Nobody's looking around. I want to give us a chance even just right now to respond and just saying, Sean, I want to say yes to following Jesus today. I want to follow this God that is forever, that is not temporary, that will not abandon you, that will define you from now until the end of the age with an identity that is pure and true, with a hope that will sustain you through whatever comes tomorrow, with a love that can forgive the past. I want to give anybody in the room right now or watching online a chance to say yes to following Jesus. I'm not going to parade you up front. I'm not going to embarrass you. I just want you to raise your hand where you're at and say, Sean, I want to say yes to Jesus. I want to say yes to this God that loves me and is forever and is not temporary like the things of this world. Amen. Jesus, we just commit our lives to you. We thank you for loving us. If you raise your hand, would you just repeat after me? And I'm going to encourage everyone that's made a decision to follow Jesus right now, would you just join with me as well? And in unison, we're just going to just declare our our love and our dedication to Jesus together. Can we just do that, church, wherever you're seated? You're not looking around. 
but we had a couple people raise their hands, and as they pray this prayer, maybe for the first time or the first time in a long time, would you just join with them in repeating after me, Jesus, thank you for loving me. Thank you for dying on the cross. Thank you for coming back to life. Thank you for being with me. Yesterday, today, and forever. Be the king of my life. Forgive me of my wrongs. And I pray that today is a fresh start. Thank you for loving me. In your name I pray. Amen. 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 This is exciting. Good stuff. Yeah, well, you can be excited. I mean, the angels in heaven are excited. We can, we can clap a little bit. People saying yes to Jesus is one of the most exciting things. That's what we're here. And then walking with you on that journey uh, and continuing to just deconstruct the things that we're building our lives on. And we're doing this together. We are ordinary people following an extraordinary God together, church. We love you. I want to welcome Josh. He's going to just give us a couple notes and send us out today. If you'd like more information regarding Hub City Church, find us at thehubcitychurch.com. Thanks for listening.